Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. We've been on a little hiatus, a little Memorial Day, a little bit of getting our feet back under us, as most of the United States is doing as well. And then we were waiting to see, well, maybe we should wait until we have a better idea on what Major League Baseball is doing for their return, because we know about the NFL just keeping its head down, moving forward. The NBA set forth a date. The NHL set forth a date. And while those are still very far away, which I don't think people may be taking into consideration that we're still a, more than a month away from those sports returning, they're at least on the calendar. All we were waiting for was Major League Baseball, the sport that we thought would maybe figure things out quickest. Because as we know in this country, the United States received its first positive corona test the same day that South Korea received its first positive corona test and if you've been keeping up with the kbo they're 40 plus games into their baseball season whereas major league baseball spent more than a month in one of the worst back and forths that you could probably see in sports history stuff that should have been kept behind the curtain was thrown to the front people took sides i love the owners i love the players the dust still has barely settled but we can happily at least say for now we will have major league baseball spring training will begin july 1st the regular season will start july 23rd or 24th and the deal has been put on table and agreed with finally from owners and players and a ton to get into on both sides of the coin and what we're looking at with a 60-game season. But the first thing we have to ask and discuss is what the fuck took so long, Al? Why did it take until June 23rd when we record this show for Major League Baseball to figure out how to get a season? Well, Johnny, it's great to be back with you and our loyal listeners. And Major League Baseball did their best impression of Congress. Kick the can down the road, kick the can down the road, kick the can down the road, stall as long as possible, and then finally with a gun to your head when you've got to do something at the 11th hour, they pull up a 60-game season after the players and the owners go back and forth, forth and back when – It was all about one crucial issue, one discussion had back in March when we really will not know and cannot know what went on in that discussion at that meeting when the owners claimed that the players agreed to have further discussions based upon the, quote, 
economic feasibility, unquote, of playing without fans. And as a result, they sought to delay the season for as long as possible if they were going to have to pay the players their full salary on a pro rata basis. They didn't want to do it. They set down numbers, what they could or couldn't afford to lose. No one knows what those numbers mean. No one knows if there's, those numbers are real. No one knows what they're based upon. No one knows if they're true, fictitious, whatever. But remember, everything the owners did, everything the owners gave the players, everything the owners told us time and time and time again in terms of their projected losses were all based upon zero fans in the seats. One thing I've never been able to understand with all this back and forth is why are the players supposed to negotiate based upon numbers from owners that are a total and complete worst case scenario, which we have no evidence is going to be the plan is going to be the case. Where are the numbers? Of, well, this is what's going to happen if we have 10%, 20%, 5% for a month, for six weeks, for 20 games. Those numbers were not out there. It was just no fans in the seats. Here's what we're going to lose. Take this percentage of your full salary for X amount of games. Take this percentage of your full salary for more games. Take your full salary for less games. Back, forth, back, forth. I wanted 110 games, and my suggestion was 90% salary. Everybody takes a haircut. They never got close to that. The owners never got close to that. They basically continued to make change. Here's $100. Here's 25s. Here's 1010s. Here's 250s. Time and time and time again, because they simply did not want to bear the responsibility of being owners of a business, of a mega business. They're not partners. This is unlike the NFL. It's unlike the NBA. It's unlike the NHL. There is not revenue sharing. The owners and the players are not partners here. So they're not partners in business. So the employees should not have to bear the risk of loss. They had contracts. They were entitled to get paid. Their season was cut drastically down. All they wanted to do was get paid for games. And what did the owners do? They delayed and stalled for as long as possible to minimize the number of games they would have to pay the players that they were entitled to under their contract. And that's what the fight was about, plain and simple, because you have some owners who can't afford to be owners. And they sent Rob Medford back with his tail between his legs after he said there was going to be a season when they realized, well, potentially here, if there's going to be a season, I could suffer losses in a fourth season of 50 games that may result in agreements where I take a bath. Get back in there and tell them we may not have a season. So he ran back with his tail between his legs. Then he went to Tony Clark, back, forth, back, forth, 70, 60. We're not moving. We're, moving. We're not moving. And here's where we are. 60 games, players retain the right to file a grievance, which they will. Arbitrator will decide. Owners, maybe they'll file a grievance. I don't know over what. But the bottom line is we've got baseball, virus permitting, for not nearly as much as we would like and not nowhere near as early as we should have had it. Baseball had an opportunity to capture the hearts of this country for the first time since literally McGuire and Simpson, who've been painted as obvious villains because of 
steroid usage and the steroid era, and so many believing that that was a phony and fake home run race. Now they had the chance with everybody else on the sidelines to capture the nation and be the only game in town and have baseball by the 4th of July, America's birthday. Instead, they wasted another month of negotiations. They went three, four weeks before they even did anything. Why were they not negotiating right as soon as games were canceled? Why were they not negotiating? Why were they immediately not putting together a package of here's what we're going to do with X. Here's what we're going to do with Y. Here's what we can do. Instead, they waited and they waited and they waited. Instead of being in a room and putting themselves ahead of the game and taking an opportunity to seize the moment and be ahead of the other sports that they've fallen drastically behind on. Once again, no forethought. They simply did not see this forest through the trees. They could not analyze the big picture. Owners looking in short term instead of long term, taking a risk of doing irreparable damage to the game because they think fans will just keep coming back. They'll keep coming back. They'll keep coming back no matter what. When whatever their losses were will be easily made up. In very simple terms, they'll cut payroll. Free agency won't be nearly as lucrative. And lo and behold, as you all know, what's going to happen in two years? What does Rob Manfred desperately want to do? Wants to expand and get to 32 teams. Do the math. As I said before, it's pretty easy. Two billion per franchise. Minimum. Minimum. Okay? That's four billion dollars that's 133 million that's right 133 million dollars per team minimum which will more than offset any of these losses and they don't share a dime of that with the players so these losses will easily be made up in a very short term short-sighted unconscionable detestable behavior by both sides but especially far and away the owners are the lead dogs in this one. They have turned this into a absolute mess for America, for baseball fans, for sports fans, a great deal of which has had to do with leaks constantly through the social media. They could not negotiate quietly. They could not negotiate behind closed doors. Someone always had to leak. And some soon as the leak came out, people went like me, went ballistic and rightfully so, because it was hideous to have to watch this go on when America and the world was suffering through a virus, the likes of which we have not seen in our lifetime, plus another lifetime. It's absolutely pathetic, self-centered, selfish, short-sighted, and as usual, as always, they've kicked themselves in the ass, plain and simple. They have done a total disservice to the game, themselves, and their pocketbooks by being selfish and short-sighted. And while they worried about their pocketbooks, TV deals were still coming in while these discussions were being made. They're still signing deals for the future with different networks and sponsors for what postseason money is going to be like. That's still all going on in the background. We can sign those checks, but God forbid we figure out how to sign these. To me, this is a stain on baseball. And that's a hard thing to say and a hard thing to hear because 50 and 100 years from now, when people look at this particular season, well, let's hope that it happens, the 60 games in the postseason, 
there'll be arguments whether or not there should be an asterisk on the season and if it really counts, et cetera, et cetera. There should be an asterisk on life. <laughs> an asterisk on the season. There's an asterisk on the world. Exactly. The world has a big, fat asterisk on it. Everything is upside down. Plain and simple. It's not just baseball. It's going to be hockey. It's going to be the NBA. It's going to be the NFL. It's going to be college football. We don't know when the NFL is going to start. They're not going to start in September. They should start in October anyway. I've talked about this with you before. NFL starts too early. I don't need NFL games when it's 95. Give me football in the fall, late summer. I don't need it in Labor Day. I don't need it when it's 95 degrees. It's baseball. Start when you're supposed to start. When the weather cools off a little bit. I don't need to see guys running around in full gear in 110 degrees. It's ludicrous. It's tough enough for me to do wear nothing. The trouble is when the common fan looks at this year in history, this year in general, and sees, oh, well, baseball was able to play 60 games and had their normal postseason. Good for them. They obviously did everything that they needed to do to make sure this season happened. And then somebody a lot older, the old report, listening to them, will have to go, no, hold on a second. They didn't do everything that they had to do to make the season happen. They could have had this figured out in April. They could have had this figured out in May. They waited until June 23rd to finally come to an agreement. It's a stain on baseball because of the way this went down. And you mentioned it. We knew about it the whole way. We were kept privy to, in the beginning, the players wanted to play as many games as possible and pay us for it. You just said they waited to have it figured out. They had it figured out. They had it figured out. And like you said, they kept showing. It's a great analogy. You want $100? Okay. How about we give it to you this way? No, we want more than 100 Yeah, but what if we move these around a little bit? We give you a couple tens, a couple fives, a couple ones. This is still $100. We don't want this number. Yeah, but what if we throw in a couple of Sacagawea dollars? Nice little gold in there, huh? Does that work for you? It was they the players saying, we want to play up. as much as we can. Let us. As, exactly. Well, we can't afford it. We can't afford that. We will lose too much money. You know, According to Steve Phillips, you know, the shield for the owners, MLB Network. They're going to lose X amount. How do you know that, Steve? Well, you, you have to agree with their projections. Why do I have to agree with their projections? These are all based upon there being no fans. Texas is opening up. Where's the projections based upon there being 10% in, in, in the building for a month, 20% for two months? Nobody in there for two weeks. Why don't I have rotating projections? Why don't I have something that tells me here's what we'll lose if X, here's if we'll lose if Y, instead of just here's what we're going to lose because there's not going to be anybody in the building for all the time that we play. So this is what we're going to lose. So we can only afford to pay this much. We want to know what? I have a contract. A contract that entitles me to X amount of dollars per season. I'm ready to play. We're ready to play. The scenario is such that we can play. We've solved that issue. You won't let us go to work because you can't afford to pay us because you can't afford to be an owner. I understand it's a pandemic. But we've already taken a huge hit. Now, like I said, I would have loved more games and a 10% hit across the board. Somebody making $30 million, okay? Pro Rata, 90% of that. Certainly doable. I think, you know, if you gave them 110 games where they had taken a 10% cut, 
I think they might have, but we will have no way of knowing. But never even got close to that. They never broke the 100-game barrier. Not even close. We didn't even get to half a season unless they made them take a major haircut. It was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But when those profits come rolling into the players sharing that, say, hey, here's some of my uh, here, here's some of my expansion money. Of course not. Here's some of the TV money. Of course not. Because they don't share revenues. That's the deal they have. That's fine. Well, part of the deal is you pay me. Got a contract. Collectively bargained contract. But here's what we're going to do. Let's stall as long as possible because of the, quote, economic feasibility. We said we would further discuss it. Okay, we'll further discuss it. Doesn't say that we're going to amend what we're going to pay you. Doesn't say we're going to stall nonstop uh, to delay the number of games so we minimize what we have to pay you. That's bad faith bargaining. Plain and simple. That is not negotiating in good faith. Because it was when can we start a season? And the season could have been started much sooner based upon the terms that were agreed upon. But no, they're holding out their scenario that, well, we had this little proviso, and that means we had no agreement whatsoever. That'll be what an arbitrator will decide when the claim is filed. And it will be filed by Bruce Meyer. And I think at the end of the day, I think the players are going to win, and I think they're probably going to win. My guess is they're going to win in arbitration about another 20 games. That's my guess. Another 10 to 20 games um, based upon the owner's constant delaying tactics. And that'd be a lot of money. Well, the disappointing the part, too, started a lot if you're a fan, you have nowhere to turn to. You, you have no one to, to yell up at the clouds at. Who are you going to go to? The commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred? <laughs> He's going to have the answers? He comes on TV one night and says there's a 100% chance we're going to play Major League Baseball this year. Everybody gets excited. Deservedly so. A couple days later, I'm not so sure. What? What changed? What changed is when he went back, okay, the owner said to him, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, wait a you're, second, you're, you're bro. You're going to impose a 50-game a, a season, a 48-game season uh, with – they're not going to consent to the postseason, so, and they're going to file a grievance. We could get crushed here. We're better off not playing. We'll lose less money if we don't play at all than if we play a 48-game season, lose money doing that, and then get annihilated in arbitration. So get back in there and tell them that that is not the deal. And then he goes back on with Mike Greenberg. And as I said, with a look on his face as though he had eaten a bad clam and says, I, I, I don't know if we're going to have baseball. Four days ago, you guaranteed it. Four days ago, you're the commissioner. What changed? Seven or eight owners got to him and said, dude, listen, you better get back in there because I'm not taking that kind of risk. I can't afford to bite that bullet. Can't afford to do it because that could be the bullet that kills me. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. If you're an outsider, 
just looking at Major League Baseball, and you, you thought maybe this will be the year since there's not sports happening and baseball will probably be coming back in early July. Maybe I'll get into it. Give it a shot. See what this is all about. There's nothing else going on. What else am I doing? I'll see if I can get into baseball, get back into it if I lost it or whatever it may be. And you hear the commissioner say that. You take a deeper look at the owners, the commissioner, and you realize that a lot of them just don't give a shit about Major League Baseball, the game. They care about Major League Baseball for my pockets. And then if you're on social media, you see a, a gaggle of professional baseball players, big names, start tweeting out when and where. Just tell us when and where. All right, that sounds great. You're right. When and where? Let's go. They've been ready to play this entire time. And the owners come out with their latest. Here's what we have on the table. And the players say, no, nah, I don't want that. <laughs> now, were they necessarily in the wrong for again countering? No. But it just wasn't the best of looks when everyone's saying when and where. Then they give you another offer and you say, nah, we didn't mean when and where exactly that way we meant it in a different way than it would lead you to believe so if you're trying to get back into baseball and looking at everything as a whole where are you going to go for what's going to bring you into the game it's very frustrating it got to the point i'm a huge baseball fan you are as well where you just throw your hands up in the air and say, at some point, we're almost better off them just saying we're not even going to have a season just to end the back and forth the and the nonsense. is always the following. You get the impression, as is often the case, that you care more than they do. Right. But this is not necessarily caring about the outcome when we as fans have so much trouble dealing with bitter losses uh, and have raucous celebrations when our teams win, because fan is short for fanatic. This is the actual caring about the game itself, the quality, the importance, the fabric of major league baseball, the game that Tim Kirchin cares so much about. Uh, the game that Buster Olney and Peter Gammons care so much about. Uh, the game that Bob Costas cares so much about. The game that has been the game of my lifetime and my son's. Not as a Cardinal fan, not as a National League fan, not as an anti-DH fan, but the game. The game of fathers, the game of sons, the game of 90 feet, 60 feet, 6 inches, 27 outs, 162 games. It's a long, strange trip. It is a war of attrition. It is a marathon. It is a game, a season during which only the strong survive. You must endure. You must fight through injuries. And all kinds of trials and tribulations, whether it be your personnel, whether it be uh, your upper management, your lower management, whether it be differences there, whether it be trades, whether it be late season pickups, no matter the case, 
you must fight through it all to work your way to the postseason in that 162-game season. The beauty of baseball is it's your friend. It's there with you all summer long into the fall. And it's always there for you to take a look at. Even if you're not watching your favorite team, some people say, well, you know, the problem with baseball, you know, you, you don't care if you're a Met fan, what's going on with the Rockies. Okay. Well, I'm a Cardinal fan. I'm going to watch a Met game. I'm going to watch a Yankee game because it's always there for me. I can be working at home and I can turn on a baseball game and I can find them everywhere. I can find three or four of them on different networks. One that I like, one that I have an interest in and the hot baseball is your friend. It's there with you for six months of the year. That's why you miss it so much when it's gone. It's like that, you know, it's, it's that security blanket that you had when you were a kid. It's always there for you. And here it had a chance to be that again, front and center and jump ahead of all the sports that have passed it. Of course, the NFL and the NBA who, one not in their season, the other season was delayed. And the NHL, whose season was delayed, both of which are going to start up. And they had a chance to steal America's hearts once again. And instead, they stepped all over. They stepped all over. They didn't care. Not that they're supposed to care about the fans. We hope that they'll care about the quality and the fabric of the game. But they don't. They don't give a rat's ass. They really don't. Do we think the Wilpons care about the game? The Wilpons. In debt up to their ass, always looking for loans, in bed with Bernie Madoff. Come on. The Wilpons? you got to be kidding me. Please. Do we think that the Oakland A's owner who doesn't want to pay his minor leaguers, who doesn't want to pay his rent, who won't build a ballpark despite the fact that he's a billionaire, all right, and as his players playing in a stadium where there's squalor, all right, in there's feces running through the dugout. Do we think he really cares about the fabric of Major League Baseball? Of course not. He's got more money than God. That's what matters. The almighty dollar. And I understand business. I understand the money. But if you can't afford to be in this game, to treat this game the way it's supposed to be treated with respect and owner of a major league franchise of which there's only 30 of them in the world that you don't belong in the game. And those owners shouldn't be in the game because there's plenty of billionaires out there who can afford to own a baseball team. Who'll treat it with more respect than some of the owners that want there now. You know, if you're Pittsburgh, you can't, can't afford it. Get out. If you're the Marlins, you can't afford it. Get out. And you're the A's, and I know you can afford it. You're just too damn cheap to pay it, which is ridiculous. Considering the fact that they have a wonderful organization, they're always somehow, some way, based upon their organization and their drafting and their scouting in the postseason hunt, and nobody goes, and they don't pay anybody. They move. Move them. Another way to make money. Commissioner's got two other avenues to make the owners money. Get the A's out of Oakland and get Tampa out. Get them out. What else do they have to do? They don't draw a fly. Nobody goes. Tampa, the Marlins, 
the A's, they're not going to lose any money because nobody goes to their games anyway. 25% capacity is all they get on a good day. So Steve Phillips, what exactly are their losses? Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. The Tampa franchise is run so adroitly and so expertly. It's amazing. On their whole payroll, they are at the top of the AL East with just a continuing cavalcade of talent. Their owner is brilliant. He's a great businessman. Take your team and get out of Tampa. Get up to Montreal where you belong. The national rivalry with the Jays. Two more cities. Don't expand to two cities. Besides expanding two cities, excuse me, move these two teams to two more cities. Then you've got four fees that the owners are going to have in their back pockets. Two teams that relocate and two, two new franchises. Now you're looking at upwards of probably $6 billion. $4 billion in expansion fees and probably a, a billion each to move. If not more. That's what the commissioner should be doing. Instead, what's he doing? He's worrying about how many pitchers can bring in an inning. And pitch clocks. Get with it. What about rule changes? Pace of the game. You want to loan your own? You, you want to expand the game? Get it to more cities. Get it out of two cities that don't go and watch competitive baseball because they don't care or they play in a dump, which could be the case in both, which could be the situation in both cases. Get them out of there into two cities that are dying for baseball and expand to two more cities. And there's your 32 teams. And there's your expanded playoffs. What else do I have to do? Just give me the job. You don't need Rob Manfred. You got me. Well, hopefully he's listening to this show because we've already given him a lot of good pointers for how he can deal with things. And now he's going to have to figure out, and we're all going to have to figure out, everyone involved, fans, players, coaches, media, etc., how we're going to navigate a 60-game baseball season. Because it's First longer all, than uh, it's longer than it. it's longer than our let's high school baseball it. season. Let's hope work. we have it. Let's please hope that we have it. Let's hope we have it. This is all once contingent on it, everything leading up to once it. Once we have it, you know, it's all unexplored territory. Obviously, you know, you're going to have expanded rosters. You're going to have the universal DH. Who knows how long starting pitchers are going to go? Because we've got the second spring training. What are teams going to do with their young players in terms of, hey, I, I got 60 games. You want to know what? I, I, this kid can play. I can't afford to keep him down there. We got a shot. It is going to be incredibly interesting if it does, in fact, take place, health permitting, and we hope it does, because it's going to be a sprint. Every game is going to be incredibly important. So I'm hoping that what I'm going to see is a little bit of change in approach to the game. Instead of hacking away to go one for five with a solo shot or a two-run homer, since every game is so important with 60 games and every at-bat should be so much more important and the gravity should be so much greater, put the goddamn ball in play. Quality outs. Move runners. Advance guys. Increase your chances to score by simply 
putting the bat on the ball and making them defend you instead of constantly going for the downs. Uh, maybe it won't be a 60-game season dominated by swings and misses. Maybe we'll see guys trying to do what your, the goal has always been. Hit the ball. Put it in play. That I would love to see if we change the style of play. Because many have said, even before this, that they thought that this was a passing fancy and that you know, the analytics of you know, going one for five with a solo homer or one for five with a two-run homer is better than three for five. You know, just swing away. That's all that matters. You know, the moronic scenario of you know, a home run in the top of the second has the same value as a home run in the top of the ninth. You know, when the home run in the top of the ninth gives you a one-run lead and the home run in the top of the second gives you a seven-run lead. And you have to listen to people like Brian Kenny say it's the same thing because they're so analytically driven, which is just lunacy. I would love to see the game be played the proper way because it's a short season and you must take advantage of every opportunity, every at bat matters because every game matters. Well, let me give you, maybe that could be the silver lining to the cloud. There's some bullet points on what we're looking at for a 60 game season from Jared Diamond, Bob Nightingale, Jeff Passan, obviously, who's, no, Bob Nightingale's lost. Jeff Jeez. Passan has pretty much lulled us to sleep on Scott Van Pelt's show for the past month and a half. He's got to get on there every night and tell us what's not happening with the sport. Thankfully, it might be a little happier. And Night- when he's Nightingale on tonight. just Nightingale's nuts. I think he just changed it. Well, every thankfully, he's he's copying and pasting for this. So at least we don't. It's not opinion. It's more rule. So we got the schedule set for sixty games, which I. So if if you were in high school and made a run to states, or if you were playing Legion ball, how many games is that normally for, like, high school guys, either playing in the season or in summer, like 30 to 40? Um, state, if, if you're going to go to states, you're going to wind up, because you got to get through sectionals. Right. And then you got to run about another six through states, so you're going to play about 35 to 40 games. Yeah, that's what I figured. This will obviously be different, and it, it'll be interesting too. Not only will be will be be watching because of the implications of you know if you get swept in a series, the implications of that just losing three games early on. In the this season. is a college seat. This is this is a big time college. Right. Season. This is a college season, and it's interesting that because of 162 games, they obviously we know the phrase of the dog days of August. As a player, you know when you could kind of take a couple games off relax a little bit in those July, August games, save yourself till September, October. Well, obviously that's not going to happen now. And it'll be interesting to see how that impacts some players. So we got the teams playing as, as with injuries as well, as with injuries and kind of breaking won't be probably when people hear this, but a couple guys showed up to Coors field, one Charlie Blackman and two teammates, and they all tested positive for, COVID-19. So the Rockies already dealing with positive tests already and teams haven't even officially reported back yet, which comes on July 1st. Everybody's got to get back by July 1st to get tested and spring training, knock on wood, will start July 3rd. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. 
He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. So teams will play 10 games against opponents in their own division, 20 games against teams in interleague play sticking to geographical regions. So like the Yankees and Mets are each going to play each other six times, but the majority of the games would be divisional games, and they're hoping that they'll be able to use every home stadium for every team, but they major so the baseball Yankees are going to play the Mets six times, right? And how many games are they going to play against the rest of the division? So you've got ten against Boston, Baltimore, Toronto, and Tampa Bay, which would bring you to forty, and then the twenty will be interleague, like four game series against other interleague teams. But all in the same division. Right. So right? Atlanta, Miami, Philly, and the Nats, the East Coast teams. Right. That's what they're hoping for. Hopefully, everybody can still play their games at home stadiums. But if not, Major League Baseball is going to have to figure out where they're going to go. Same thing for Toronto. They technically don't know if they'll be able to play at home or if they'll have to move into the States. So to come with that. There'll be a DH, as you mentioned. National League, for the first time, will have the DH. Extra inning games will start with a runner on second base beginning in the 10th. We thought it was going to be the 12th. They're pushing it back to the 10th. So in extra innings, the players in the batting order immediately preceding that frame's leadoff hitter will start on second base. And for the purposes of stats, that runner will... 10th inning is way too early. it, It is very early. That runner will be deemed to have reached second via an error. So the run won't be charged to the team or the pitcher. There you go for you fantasy guys out there. And and who the leadoff guy goes or the last out? Reading this, uh, immediately preceding that frame's leadoff hitter. So I guess it would be the person before who's ever leading off the inning. Right, the last out. Right? Right. So you make the last out. I'm leading off. So top of the tenth. Get you your helmet. Base. Get your helmet. You're getting out there. No, you go to second base. You made the last out. Right. Players will be prohibited from arriving more than five hours before the game and staying longer than ninety minutes after the game. And reporters got to get the hell out of there one hour upon the conclusion of the post-game interviews. No problem. Let's move it along. Clubs open the season with 30 players until the 15th day of the season, 28 players until the 28th day of the season, and then 26 for the duration. And there will not be an expanded roster in September. The injured list for all players will also be 10 days. So they're getting the one extra player, the 26th player. For the the last, what, month? Subtract 15 days, then 28 days. So basically, yeah. Okay. That's what has been the biggest bullet points that have come out to this point. So I think the biggest concern, as it is with every other sport that's happening, is what happens with testing. What happens with the coronavirus? How do the players fare if they get coronavirus and then quote-unquote beat it or get better from it and don't have it anymore i think what people have missed thus far is we don't necessarily have the answers 
What happens afterward? It's obviously incredible if somebody beats the virus, thank God. But there have been reports that some folks, even though they've beaten it, still have respiratory problems, still don't feel right, still maybe get winded just like walking around the house, even though they haven't had coronavirus for a couple months. We don't know necessarily about immunity quite yet. There's still a lot of question marks for that. And even though some people are saying, well, isn't it better for the players to get it now? Like, quote unquote, get it out of the way. You know, get it before spring training starts or when football comes back. Get it out of the way now. Get it out of the way in the summer so you can be ready for the actual season to start. We still don't know the impact this is going to have on its players. And I think that's the most fearful thing is what if your star player gets this at any point? doesn't matter if it's before, during, or in the midst of the postseason, what happens? And will you have enough players to fill the voids? Now, some teams are have incredible depth, and that's definitely going to help them in a 60-game season. But what happens to the teams that don't and then get hit by this? Not even just dealing with the typical injuries that are going to happen through a regular season. That's going to be the, the most fascinating part of this is how teams manage their and- rosters through injury and this virus. Because remember, the minor leaguers aren't playing. Yeah, they're home. Exactly. So you, you could bring 60 people to spring training when this right, starts so July 3rd. Where are you, you going to put your minor league? Where are you going to put your other 30? Right. Where do they play? Where are they going to be? Where are they going to train? Where are they going to work out? And you know they're not playing minor league baseball. So they're not playing competitive games. Right. They're practicing. Yeah, it's it's prep, but it's still prep. We're talking about we're talking about practice. Talking about practice, teamwork, Al. Not the game. We're talking about. We're not talking about playing games. Teamwork and shagging flies. That's not going to get it done. I mean, do do they make like conglomerates where like maybe the Yankees and Mets have a handshake agreement of you guys can use whatever empty stadium we have. And, and play scrimmages against each other, they like your spring playing, training they're, guys they're, against their ours? Their minor league teams could be playing each other in Staten Island. Yeah. Now, give me, give me, how many games are you playing in your division again? I believe it was 20. 20. So you're playing everybody in your division. No, I'm sorry, four 40. Times. It's 20 interleague, and it's 44 in your division. So you play so you're each playing team 10 everybody times. in your division. 10 times. Right. Right. And yep. then you're playing 20 games against the other division, which should be everybody four times, but they're not going to do that. Correct. How from, many times are the Mets and the Yankees? From what I have seen, the Yankees and Mets will play six times. So that oh, would, that would make it a three game series for two of those. Yep. Whatever team, I don't know if they're going to draw them out of a hat or how they're going to figure it out. So you literally will play no one else in your league. Yeah, we're we're going old school up. with this, Al. I mean, it's a damn shame there's not going to be an all-star game because that's the only time that we would get to see these other players. Look, it's got some funk to it. You're certainly going to decide your division in your division. The bitch is going to be, you know... In terms of who we got to play, you know, in a league, you know, this division is stronger than that division. You know, 
Yale East is clearly, you know, you can argue the strongest, you know, versus the Yale Central. Uh, but the Yale West has its moments. Uh, you can argue the NL West is a dog. Uh, but then maybe not. Arizona's pretty good. Uh, obviously, you know, the Dodgers are great. San Francisco's not very good. San Diego's mediocre. So, you know, who really draws the short straw? What division draws the short straw or divisions by having to play each other? I guess it's probably the AL and the NL East. Would you say not? I mean, I would say the Mets are fucked. That's an evergreen statement to say, but not only do you have to play your division that many times, now you got to play against the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Rays. Tampa. That's tough. Tampa. That's yeah. tough. And, Jay's not awful. And what team is going to be the one that makes the surprise run? Like the opposite of last year's Nationals team, because as we remember, they got off to an awful start and didn't make a difference. But if they did that this year, they're, they're done. Who's going to be the reverse of that, though, that gets off to and a hot streak and takes off? And you wonder what the approach is going to be. You, yeah, exactly. Pitching. Are, 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 are the teams that are looking to play for the draft pick and follow that mantra of break it down, not compete and play for the draft picks. That's worked for the Astros. Um, remarkably well. Are those teams going to say the hell with that 60 games? Let's go for it. Put our best guys out there. Our best young guys. Let's go for the whole shooting match. Yeah, or, or at least this, this, this may be our only chance to do this. Let's do a month at least. Let's do 30 games. We'll see where we're at. Because they're going to, from what I understand, it's 60 games in 66 days, right? As they hope. That's not a lot of room for error and not a lot of time to relax. But if you get hot in baseball, hey, you might as well at least try. I think the first look, month will look, be exciting just from that standpoint. If you're the Pirates and you go out there and you go 20 and 10, okay, it's, it's not, you have to go 25 and 5. You could have to a 20 and 10 start. You're in great shape. It doesn't matter who you are. Right. But remember, no expanded playoffs. So keep that in mind. So, you know, 500, if you're out 20 and 10, and you wind up going 500, 500, usually, you know, that doesn't get you in in the normal playoffs. The other thing we'll be curious is, what will the bottom of the barrel be with the same amount of playoff teams, but so few games? Will there be teams that struggle like the Nats did last year? They can't get above the 500 mark where you have other teams that they're just kind of muddling along and they find their way into the playoff hunt by being, you know, a game or two around the 500 mark. And do you sustain that success heading into the postseason because as we mentioned it, it's a lot of games in a short amount of time managers rightly so are going to want their best guys out there it might not be as easy for some teams to give certain players days off when there's injuries god forbid when there's positive tests especially if there's multiple positive tests whether that's from the players or the organization as a whole who to me that's the biggest thing in all this it has to be Nothing else is even close. I mean, you can talk about how long will pitchers go and bullpens, et cetera, et cetera, you know, injuries. 
Uh, you would think the guys that are, are ready, raring to go. They have their second spring training. I would be really surprised if there would be some rash of injuries. They're going to take it easy with pitchers. They're not going to go out there and they throw. Nobody goes you know, nine innings anyway. But I think you're going to see guys are going to be on a shorter leash. To me, the question is who gets debilitated by the virus? Who loses the key player? Who loses the key pitcher? Who loses the big time reliever that is a huge factor in their success? The middle of the lineup guy, whatever the case may be, that debilitates them from either being a terrific team and drops them down to a pretty good team or takes them from being a pretty good team to a run-of-the-mill team, a run-of-the-mill team to a dog. So uh, to me, that that is really what it all comes down to. What impact is the virus going to have on all of this? Because 14 days is, you know, 12 games. And the weather. We'll have double headers. We're going to have rainouts. There's going to be a lot of things that need to be dealt with when they happen, but at least we're in the position to have to deal with those things and not just assume or think, oh, I wonder what if. If we get to that point, at least we're there. Perhaps it's going to be funky. Well, this is the hardest thing we're going to have to deal with. This is a good way to wrap up the show. Spitting is prohibited, Al, including but not limited to saliva, sunflower seeds, peanut shells, or tobacco at all times in club facilities, including on the field. But you can chew gum. Thank God for that if you're Terry Francona. Because if they took away all that stuff, I think he might retire. If he just can't have a seed. Just load up on the big league chew, baby. Big league chew. And there's one team, as we know, that likes to get the train going when they hit home runs. Well, here's my call to all normal, sensible baseball fans. Start getting the train warmed up. Fuck the Houston Astros. 60 games. 60 hit by pitches at least. We can finally start getting our hatred back for those scumbags. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Hopefully they won't be let off the hook that easily, but no team has gained more from this pandemic and this negotiating hijinks horror show than the Houston Astros because so much of that has been forgotten. But we will bring it back to fruition When baseball begins, the second spring training is upon us. Hopefully, virus won't debilitate it again until next week. For my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am Alfred Mike Plains, more commonly known as Al Renato. Take your pick. Have a great sports week and stay safe. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.